sure I'm all going right. Yep. I want to just spend some time thinking about this for a couple of weeks, talking out of Romans 12. It's one of these. It's one of these discussions that I have to put this disclaimer on. If I have had a conversation with you in the last month or two, I'm not talking to you alone. I'm talking to me and I'm talking to us. Uh, A few people said amen to this reading. It's quite a reading. It's a reading about uh, how we get on with one another. And it's interesting because people also say things like, we should be like the New Testament church. And yet almost every letter Paul has, he's telling them to stop fighting and to watch out and do things better. And uh, it's one of the, I think, places that God is most concerned about, and that is how we actually get on with one another. Last week it talked about uh, Caleb and Joshua and how they had, with the people of Israel, had been set free from Egypt. And, and, you know, most people are very good at learning what they don't like and learning how, if we could just change this, then we'll be better. You know, those of, there were a couple of you who grew up in South Africa with me. We grew up in South Africa and it was protesting and this is what we want. And then after, and, and the church particularly was very clear on we've got to break apartheid. But once that had fallen, it was kind of quite difficult. Why are we here now? Because it's actually easy to build an identity from a negative. It's much more challenging to actually begin to say, so now what? How can you be part of positive? And Joshua and Caleb were these amazing guys who had gone and explored a land that the others had said, it's all beautiful, but it's the people that scare us. They look like giants and we look like grasshoppers. And, and because of their mindset and because of what they saw in their heads and how they interpreted, they lost an inheritance and a whole generation didn't get into the promised land when they could have. They wandered in the desert. And I believe many of us, including myself, we can actually wander in places that God says, why are you here? And we're here because we didn't get there because, and we have reasons. And one of the things that I believe very strongly about, and I'm still trying to work on it myself, is that there's only one reason I ever do not get what God promises, and that's me. There's only one reason I never get what God, or if I'm missing out on anything, it's nobody else's responsibility except mine. Which really sucks, because I'd rather blame you. Because that's the mindset. And so Joshua and Caleb held on to their promise for 40 years. And when they were given a voice back in the scriptures, they say, I just wanted my inheritance. I'm still as strong. I'm still as passionate as I wanted. Caleb did not go up to Joshua and say, hey, Josh, remember we were the only guys? So let's get, we we deserve the best of the promised land to start with because we were the most faithful. And he didn't go up to Joshua and say, all these other guys were out to lunch. There was no negativity. It was just, I want to, I want to receive. And he held on to that promise with a, a passion that is amazing. And everything we're going to talk about today is absolutely impossible without the Spirit of God. Everything. It is not possible to love people unconditionally in our own strength. And you might have found that out yourself. It is not possible to live in forgiveness and grace without the Spirit of God. It is not possible to walk with integrity and walk with openness and allow yourself to be betrayed or hurt and not seek revenge without Jesus. It just doesn't happen. And so God brings through Jesus the natural and the supernatural together to enable human beings to become something they could never have been before. 
And so imagine Joshua and Caleb, I was just thinking about this and thinking, imagine if we reversed it and we had people coming into the church or coming into this promised land and giving a report of what they find. And what happens if they came back and they said, you know, we found a people who were remarkable in their grace and they were remarkable in their, in their, in their love and they were remarkable in their compassion and I have never been treated like that company of people treated me. Imagine if the promised land and the kingdom of God is actually manifest on earth in community. And in the brokenness of the world, these pockets of community are the lights and the testimonies of who God really is. I think that's what he actually is all about. What has happened in the world is that they, people have tried to do that. And they've come back saying, I felt totally disregarded, I felt judged. I felt alienated, I felt pointed at, I felt I didn't fit in. You know the story, I didn't have to hammer us, but the church hasn't got a good reputation in terms of this kind of welcoming, compassion, forgiveness. I'm not talking about just everything's acceptable, but every person is acceptable. And that's what Paul's talking about. So, this is, I've used this before, but this just always brings up this memory to me of, uh, of this stuff. further away you are, what? The more difficult it is to tell what's real and what's not real. Right? We can declare all kinds of things. How do you know what's real and what isn't real? The closer you get, you can see some things, but at the end of the day, you put your hands on it. And then you start saying, yeah, this feels a little hard and it's light, it doesn't, it's, the, the color's a little fake. This one, what do you think? It's real? It's fake. This one? Why? How? It's got shine to it in certain spots. Yeah, that'd be a good description for somebody's character. You shine in little spots. Then you put the stuff in a bowl, which makes it more complicated, because remember Paul says you see through a glass darkly. So now how do you see what's real and what's not real? There's only one way to know what is real. That's why God said, love me and love one another. Which part of that don't we understand? Which part of that is difficult to, to clue into? If you say you love me and you don't love them, you're not loving me. Why? Because me in you loves them. Shoot. That's what Paul's writing about. I didn't make it up. I'm just... It's my unfortunate duty to share the message. It's not my unfortunate, but it's just... So what does that do to you and to me as we hear that? It puts me on the spot. Are you fake or are you real? This is, not about being, this, this is not about being perfect. How will other people know that Jesus is alive? By how he has transformed you into a fruit 
that they can bear witness to. Because the thing about fruit, some, what, I'll tell you what some people do. They don't let you close to them. They just declare, this is what I believe. This is who I am. And they make a lot of noise, but you can't get close. And those are Christian, Paul calls them gongs. They're loud clanging gongs. They make a noise, but the love is not present because love is what actually is the authentication of Jesus' presence in us. So the way that you know the reality of Jesus in a life is the way that you are loved through them. And that leaves all of us going, oh God, this is depressing because I don't do that very well. And he goes, I know that, but that's what we're working on. This is really good news to everybody else, but it's not really good news to me. Joking with you. Why? And I'm just summing up the essence of what I'm trying to say today. Because nobody is responsible for how you turn up other than you. Period. Ever. As a Christian. As a non-Christian, everybody's responsible. Never sue them all. As somebody who's not a believer, sue everybody. Blame everybody. Facebook everybody. Tell everybody what you think. That's easy. You don't need Jesus. You don't need the Holy Spirit. You just need a lot of flesh with a lot of attitude. But as soon as you say yes to Jesus, because you see what Jesus does is, well, I put up a lot from you and I actually lay down my life for you and boy, were you worth it. But what you were worth was not visible. It's in your DNA because we created you. We know you were the, we know the son and daughter we created, but we haven't seen him or her for quite a while. I am dying so that that can come to life. In fact, you haven't seen it. You don't even believe it. You think you're this, but you're actually this. So I'm going to call this up in you, but you can't get called up if you don't have me in you because you don't have the strength. All of us resemble what God has created us to be very, very, maybe, we've got lots of room to grow. He doesn't do shame and he doesn't do self-accusation and he doesn't do, oh, poor me. He just says, come to me. I can make you shine. So, there are two ways of living. The one is through, I am... Walking with people as long as they agree with me. Or I'm walking with people because they are family members. Blood is thicker than water. So the, the natural always reflects the supernatural, invariably. And so they're probably all of us, most of us in this room. We might have family members that we are struggling with. But they are family members, members so we kind of have to work it out. And even when it's not worked out, it bothers us. When Jesus welcomed you through the cross into his family, his blood is thicker than your blood. And he says, if you who are evil know how to love your family, then how much more? So when I draw you in, it's not just me and you, it's me and them. So I'm your brother, whether you like it or not in the good seasons and the bad seasons. In every season. And you are my brothers and sisters whether I like it or not. 
And am I talking to you about, am I, if I'm talking to Jesus about you and I start whining about you, he says, I love them as much as I love you. What's your point? My point is they're irritating me. Well, you can be as well. If they're irritating you, why don't you look at yourself and start saying, why am I so irritated? They're your gift to learn what's something that you can't learn any other way. The difference between the two ways of living, the one is in your head, and religion comes out of her head, and our peace and our relationship comes out of our agreement through understanding and through thoughts and beliefs. That's not how families are held together. Families are held together by birth. When you're born again, you are born into a family that is full of people who don't deserve to be part of your family. But neither do you deserve to be part of their family. Because believe it or not, somebody looks across the room and says, why them? And you're the person they're talking about. Because all of us are less than perfect. And all of us in our worst days are a pain. And all of us in our best days can be quite sweet. Unconditional love means you, my brother or sister, whatever day it is, how will they know that Jesus is alive? By the way that you live together. It's not an optional extra. You can't say, I, you're not going to be my brother. Well, I am your brother. We've got the same parents. We'll have a DNA test. You're still my brother. Darn it. You don't have any choice about your family. And when you're born into the, the love of Jesus, you don't have any choice about your family. Because the grace you received in being welcomed in is the grace you have to give to others. And that's why Jesus said, you can't do this without me. You're too broken and fractured. You need my presence in you. But the proof of my presence is in, you see, fruit. I don't think there's been a self-devouring fruit invented yet it eats itself and then says I taste good taste and see I am good fruit is for by nature others when we come to Jesus that's the same thing you exist for the benefit of others well that's contrary to everything You've got to be self-made. You've got to be self-taught. You've got to be self-actualizing. It's all about self. You take selfies. Your whole life, I've heard this said many times, your, your whole life is you know, portrayed on Facebook and then you compare yourself to other people on Facebook and you say, give it a break. Facebook is fictitious. They have airbrushed photos and only the ones they want you to see. It's the best part of everybody. You're comparing yourself to the best part of everybody in their fantasy. It's not true. Don't waste your time on Facebook seeing how worthwhile you are. Oh my word, that would be depressing. So we have, we have a statement in the church. Our, our foundation statements are becoming family, encountering God, and impacting the world. Religion lives in the head, has all these belief systems, and if you agree with me, you can be part of my party. Jesus brought relationship into religion, throughout religion, and said everything is relational. And then you start trying to divide up which parts can we do? How do we become part of family? How do we encounter God? How do we impact the world? And you go, you can't. You can't divide it up. You can just become someone who carries the fruit that enables those things to be manifest. 
Does that make sense? So you can't kind of try on your best day to be something. You're either it or you're not. And what God is trying to do in us, he's trying to build in us a character and a personality that actually just flows. That it's not me trying to act. Sometimes you have to step in faith because the feeling isn't there. That's different. That's stepping out in faith. That's not hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is when you're doing something consciously while you're knowing something else is consciously what you're holding together. A grow, a, 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 um, somebody who's a work in progress is somebody who knows their inconsistencies. And, uh, and where you get transparency is where somebody's willing to share with you what they're struggling with as well as what they're becoming. They don't hide from you the bruises. They don't hide from you the stuff they're struggling with. They actually they, sh- they show you that and then go, but God. And can you help me? Because God has no intention of enabling any of us to grow on our own. It would be as crazy as a you know, grape saying, I want to grow, I don't do bunches. Never thought of that before. It's anointed. I don't do bunches. Or, or an apple tree saying, you know, I, I prefer to grow as a single apple on my own tree, in my own garden, under the sunshine and rain of the loving Jesus. And you go, you ain't an apple, you're something else. And it's not from heaven. It's really important to get some of these principles because otherwise you just keep on fighting them and they're never going to change. Why? Because the very reason we fight them is the reason they're there. The reason they're there is to, to, to bring to light the stuff that isn't resembling Jesus in us. How many of us have thought, boy, I've grown in this area and I'm really strong in this area now and I'm, I'm so encouraged and next week something challenges it and you go, oh, I, I thought that was better. Somebody anointed me and somebody prayed over me and then parted to me and then I sang a song and I cried and I was moved and then I fell down and I, oh, it's great, Jesus, thank you. And then next week you go, what was that about? You go, well, it was about a growth in process. It doesn't invalidate that. It just means it's still in process. That's why you should be without trouble, humble. Humility should be the easiest thing for all of us if we know who we are. So that was the introduction. God so loved the world that he sent his son. What I'm trying to say is that everything spiritual is manifest on earth as in heaven. In other words, God's love was known by him sending his son. His son was known by growing in a particular place in history on earth and demonstrating his presence in his life. His love was shown through the teaching, through the ministry of Jesus. His love was shown through how Jesus turned up for people. And people said, this is remarkable. We've never seen such love before. And then Jesus said to them, don't just look at how I'm living, look at the works that I do. Which is actually why we need to keep pursuing God's works, the signs and the wonders, the healings. It's not an optional extra. It's not something we just do because we're into that. Jesus, if he's with us, says, I want to do that. We go, well, it's not working, Lord. We're trying and nobody's getting healed. He says, don't worry, keep practicing. There are lots of children that drive little play cars until they get old enough to drive. Keep driving, keep trying, keep asking, keep seeking, and you will find. 
and you will see and you will grow. We will see remarkable things here, more than we've ever imagined. We will see it. I'll tease you with something because I only heard about it this morning. It's going to be a real tease and I'm just going to tease you anyway. Last week I said to you, the Glendon and their house, you know, I'm declaring we're looking for a farm. Well, there's something in the pipeline. I'm going to leave it there just because it's fun. But it's also incredibly right at the beginning of the pipeline. But the way God works is he says, if you don't ask me and you don't declare anything, you won't get it. So be unreasonable. But let me just, I just want to hone us in on this because it's really important. So God's love was expressed through Jesus being born, his life, his death on the cross, his resurrection. All of those were, were brought into the focus of human beings so that human beings who could not understand and would never comprehend a God whose love is like that, he, he comes to sort of in baby language and tells us this is sort of what I'm like in a manner that you can understand. It's just a little bit. Because then we have, as somebody asked this week, and it was quite legitimate to say, well, the God of the Old Testament just fights and he nails everybody and he's unkind and he judges. And you go, no, that's not who he is. The God of the Old Testament reflects the people of the Old Testament who said to God, we don't want you. We want to live as kings ourselves. We want to rule over ourselves. So God says, okay, I'll treat you like you want to be treated. But I don't like this. In the background, I'm still going to bring a savior because you're killing each other. You're destroying each other. Who we are without him is scary and frightening. And so when Jesus comes, he basically says, they will know you by your love. How many of you know what an apple tree looks like? How many of you know what a pear tree looks like? How many? Now some of you and who know these things better will go, that's a pear tree before it's got fruit. But for most of us, it's going to be, well, it depends on the fruit. When I'm with you, I don't experience a lot of forgiveness. I'm looking for the fruit of forgiveness because I heard that the Christian tree has forgiveness on it, but I just feel judgment. Well, there's something wrong with your eyesight. Our fruit trees argue with each other and try and justify why the fruit that you're getting isn't what I'm trying. Do you know what I'm saying? Nobody else can bear witness to the fruit of your life other than other people around you. You can bear witness to some, but my suggestion is stop trying to worry about the fruit of your life in the sense of convince other people. Let them taste and see. And we need each other because we need each other to remind us, say, you know what, I haven't seen forgiveness for a long time on your branch. I've seen anger, I've seen accusation, but it doesn't feel like an orchard in which Jesus is gardening. And if you're like me, then I start justifying myself. And God kind of goes, fruit is fruit is fruit, which is awkward. But the non-awkward thing is he starts saying to us, you know, the quicker you get these buds, the better it'll be. So when the, fruit, the, the bud of unforgiveness starts, I start saying, Lord, please take it away. We get better and better at being sensitive to the things that shouldn't be there. So Paul says, in, your, in view of God, well, this is just before the reading. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is what I've been talking about. A different way of thinking about how we live and how we show up. Do not be conformed. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? Well, a dead sacrifice is one that's died. A living sacrifice is a dead body alive with Jesus. A dead body alive with Jesus is unable to be offended. I mean, if I asked us to stand up now, all of you who are offended by something, stand up. I'm not asking you to do that. I don't want to offend you. All of you who are offended, stand up. And then just say, stop it. Which would be more offensive. Because we're quite proud and arrogant as people. But I would be consistent with the Spirit of Jesus. I thought you were dead. How does offense grow in you? And what right do you have to be offended? Well, this, this, and this is not a good reason. What do you mean? Well, maggots only hatch eggs in rotten meat, honey. And if you provide the incubation for offense, then you've got the issue, not the offense. I don't like this. Are you following me? So every time somebody around me causes offense to rise up in me, the conversation Jesus is going to have in me is, John, what do you need to pay attention to? But I want to talk about the other person. He says, yeah, I know they've got issues, I'll talk to them. But why is it offending you? Why can't, I thought you were dead, why can't you, I'm not saying it's all right, I'm just saying why would you be offended? If I live in you, offense will not grow. We should be in a fence-free zone. You cannot offend us. Graham Cook talks about, you know, the, the, you've heard me say this before, when, he, when somebody turns up at a conference on Tuesday and says, I'm your enemy. I hate what you do. I despise what you do. I don't like your teaching and I don't like you. And he looks back at them and says, um, no, you're not my enemy. And the guy is offended. I am your enemy. I hate what you do. I hate what you stand. He says, I'm not your enemy. Why? Because it's Tuesday. I don't make enemies on Tuesdays. But he, he illustrates so powerfully just, I mean, you can be an enemy, but I'm not your enemy. You're not my enemy. Why? Because you're not. You offend me. Well, you don't offend me. Why not? Because you don't. That's powerful. So I'm going to walk unoffended. Damn it, I want you to be offended. I want to fight. I want a justification. I said, well, just as if I'd never sinned, that's why I don't offend. So what do you do with offense? You just actually note it and go, we've got some work to do. You see, for the other person, God's also going to talk about, what are you doing? Why are you behaving like this? Because he made you me. No, 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 no. Why are you doing it? Do you know how many times you have offended me, potentially? This is Jesus speaking. Do you know how many times I've said to the Father, I'm done with John. I mean, look at him. And everybody else agrees with me. The one relationship cycle that we never see break down is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit decided he's not turning up this morning. He's sick and tired of this group. 
And the, Jesus says, go, and the Father says, I don't know, and so they actually have a disagreement. We never hear about that. They just totally honor each other all the time in their different capacities. Okay, I think I've belabored the point enough. So, Paul says, for the, by, uh, for the, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. How do you think of yourself? I'm just going to read this through and I'm not going to speak a lot more, but how do you think of yourself? You're a whole mixture of stuff. All of us are. What God wants us to do is learn how to say, I am highly favored. I'm his son and his daughter. I'm on earth as in heaven. And he's teaching me how to become more and more like he created me to be. But as Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And God touches his lips with a burning coal and says, but I will. Moses says, I stutter, I'm old, I don't have the faith, I'm going to place it, I want to go. And God says, but I will be with you. He says that to everyone. I will be with you, but I will be with you. Think of yourself in a real way. The good, the bad, and the ugly, and you're all in it. And if you don't know how to think of yourself, ask the people who know you how to think of yourself, and they will help you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. That's why we need each other. Just of, and, and, and this is why he says this here. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace God gives to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. Giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. He's just throwing out a whole lot of differences. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. How's that? Be devoted to one another in love. You devoted to one another? Jesus is. He's devoted to. He, he, I've said this, I have to say this to myself. I'm devoted to me. He's devoted to me. He adores me. He loves me. He's jealous for me. He likes me on every day, at every time, in every season. He's for me and he's not against me. And believe me, there are times I have to say that very strongly. He has a future for me. I'm secure in him. But the bottom line is talking to myself isn't enough. And talking to God about me isn't enough. I need you. I need you to talk those words to me. As you need me to talk, to, talk those words to you. And I need the Holy Spirit to help me do that better. As you need the Holy Spirit to help you do it better. Devoted to one another. That's why I said at the beginning, you know, annual general meetings are meant to be a, a group of devoted people sharing what God is doing and teaching. It's not meant to be a group of fractious people criticizing what doesn't happen, questioning everything under suspicion, being cynical. That's not of God, it's not of Jesus, it's not even difficult. It's a lazy, cowardly way of living behind defenses of criticism. This, what, what I'm talking about here, what Paul's talking about, is extremely courageous. It's radical. It's bold. It's powerful.
powerful. And it will bring us to our knees again and again because it's the truth of everything. That's the real fruit. You bite in and go, this is real. I felt acceptance. I felt forgiveness. Your worship isn't a fake because you live it and I experience it in you. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Honor one another. How can I serve you? What do you need? Who are you? Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I mean, that just takes out all offense right there. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you. You're a blessed nuisance, but I bless you. Live in harmony with each other. This is Paul talking to the First Testament church. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not take revenge. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, what does that tell us? That basic, and I could quote others from Timothy about getting on with each other of uh, the culture in which we live. Here's a video just as we wind up on love. So the bottom line is the measure we have received love will be the measure we will give it. The less we know love, the more we will know self-righteousness. Paul says this in 15, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the, through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other, toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another. It feels like a good word for an annual general meeting. It feels like a word that has power and life and calls us into alignment because this is who Jesus is and this is who he has called us to be. I think... You know, somebody said about what, what is your vision, what is our vision for Jericho Road and, and the picture I had, I think I mentioned, was it, was it like a, a seed box full of little compartments with seeds in it and some are growing and some aren't. Every single person here has seeds in them that God has to grow. We don't need a program. We need people who are coming alive to God in Jesus who actually say, here am I, send me. Put this into practice and we will see trans- uh, we will see put up any change because you'll be salt and light everywhere. And so my one word to us is take responsibility for yourself and then take responsibility for everybody else in the sense of serve each other, honor each other, love each other unconditionally, but take responsibility that the only person who can actually manifest fruit unconditionally is you with Jesus in the midst of all us irritating people who are never going to go away and it's never going to be perfect. So you might as well learn how to do it with us around.
The only place you're going to be perfect on your own is in a closet by yourself with your, your, your app for iTunes. But unfortunately, you won't be in Jesus. You'll be abiding in the closet. Not in Jesus, because he doesn't live in closets. Let's stand. Father, just thank you that you don't come and you're not speaking through Paul or through me in any shape or form in condemnation. But sometimes we ask you for you to work in power and he says, I'm trying to work in power, but as in Nazareth, we were so contemptuous of you and just saw you as the carpenter's son, nothing could happen. And so, Lord, we come here on our annual general meeting and we ask you to forgive us where we have taken offense or we're carrying, Paul also says, don't let any bitter root rise up among you. So if there's anything that's offensive in us, if there's anything that's causing bitterness in us, if there's anything that's actually in us, we ask you to forgive us, Lord. And we ask you to take it out from us, unrooted. And we ask you to give us a spirit of honesty that says, Lord, why is that able to grow in me? And I ask you to purify that ground. I ask you to soak that ground in your love and in your mercy and in your forgiveness so I will never allow the offense to grow there again. So Jesus, I ask you to forgive me where I have harbored bitterness, resentment. And I give you permission to take it from me. And I claim the blood of your cross to cleanse me and to free me that I might walk with an air of ease that I've never known before, maybe in that area. Just bring to God anything that you want to actually bring to Him. We are God's gift to one another that He shows us through one another the things that still are not yet whole, the things that still are not yet made perfect. And as long as there's ground for apples to grow in, there's ground for weeds to grow in. So it's a principle that's always going to be present. We just learn how to weed quickly. We learn how to allow God to, to be the gardener in our hearts and lives. So Father, will you just shine your light on us? Anything that is growing in our garden, that is causing disharmony, disunity in ourselves as well as with other people, we just ask you to weed it out of us. And we give up all our rights to own it. We give up all our rights to justify ourselves. We give up all our rights to, to blame others. I break the spirit of blame in the name of Jesus. We break it off this body in the name of Jesus. And also behind blame is always lies. So break the spirit of lies in the name of Jesus. Wherever it tries to creep in like a snake, we break it in the name of Jesus. The truth is that you love every person. The truth is that your forgiveness is worked out for every person. The truth is that your grace is enough for everyone as they grow and as they fail and as they try and as they fall and as they rise again. Thank you that our identity, Lord, is rooted in who you are and who we are in you. You call us much-loved sons and daughters, period. So we call that up in one another solid identities that we are loved by you and you are working in us and you are with us and you will continue to be with us. And Lord, in our weakness, we ask you to pour in your Holy Spirit that you will begin to nourish and nurture fruit that is in alignment with your kingdom.
speak peace in the name of Jesus. Peace in the name of Jesus. Promise in the name of Jesus. I'm not finished with you yet. Promise for more to come. He looks over your life and mine like a, like a gardener, a landscape gardener, and says, this is what we're going to do next. So Father, thank you that you have us in your heart and we pray that as we continue in our meeting now, as we continue to grow as a community, that you will enable us to hold these things dear to our heart. That we will be a family that your blood is thicker than our familial blood. Your blood that is released on the cross is thicker. We pray that we will have encounters with you, God, that will actually bring transformation, acceleration. And we pray that you will use this body to impact Port Alberni and beyond. Just because of who you are in us. So Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for one another. The worship team comes up. We're going to sing a song.